I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselcumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Friends, today is the second episode in our series about pregnancy and infant loss. Today, I'm joined by Rachel Lohman, who released a book in August called Miscarried Hope, Journeying with Jesus Through Pregnancy and Infant Loss. Did you know that one in four pregnancies ends in loss? In fact, today on the show, Rachel and I talk about how the number is probably even closer to one in three. There's so much stigma and silence around this topic, and Rachel is helping those of you that have walked through this to be able to erase that stigma, erase that shame, and be able to talk about it. In her book, she shares her personal experience with miscarriage and her journey to find hope again. The way I found out about Rachel was through her earrings, actually. After losing her first child to miscarriage in 2017, she launched Hope Again Collective, a handmade earring line that has allowed her to connect with hundreds of fellow women and mamas who have also experienced infant loss. Today on the show, we talk about the five stages of hope. We each share our personal stories with miscarriage. I've walked through miscarriage as well. We talk about the layers and layers of complicated grief and emotions that often surround miscarriage. And we also talked about how the church can help women around them in their congregations and in their communities deal more with the grief and suffering that comes along with the loss of a child. Here is Rachel Lohman in our conversation about journeying with Jesus through pregnancy and infant loss. Rachel, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks so much, Jamie. Thrilled to be with you. Well, I'm happy to have you. And I think I remember that the way I found out about you actually is through a pair of earrings. Would that be correct? <laughs> that would be correct. <laughs> okay. So we're going to get to that, but you started making earrings, I think during COVID. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, strangely enough, you know, so many of us became hobbyists during COVID um, and earrings became my thing. I was actually pregnant uh, with my daughter and being pregnant after having lost is part of your story. The anxiety kind of just gets at you at, in a different way. And 
all of my work in that season was remote on the computer and I was just longing for something creative and like tactile to do. Uh So I was like, I'm ordering this cheap clay kit from Amazon Uh and I just turned my kitchen table into experimentation and fun. And I never in a million years thought that an earring business would come out of it. Isn't that crazy? You're like, I just need something to do because I need to like take my mind off this these anxious thoughts. I'm going to use my hands. Um, and then here we are. Well, I'm grateful for you and your beautiful earrings. Uh, we are in the middle of a series about pregnancy and infant loss. And so although this series is rather heavy, if you guys listened last uh, to the show right before this with Jonathan and Peter Pitts, it's hard. It's heavy. And mm-hmm. um, I'm grateful for the voices that are that are coming on the happy hour to talk about this because Rachel, we, you and I both know that uh, miscarriage is not uncommon and it is a thing that a lot of women experience and don't have a place to talk about. Um, I told you I was going to share a little bit of my story. I um, had two miscarriages in college. And so I got pregnant twice in college, um, lost both of those babies uh, to miscarriage. And my story is maybe not unique, I was going to say, but that was even a struggle. The layers of um, Mm -hmm. grief that I experienced with that, I really didn't even embrace until I was married with parenting children. Did I allow myself Mm -hmm. to feel the grief of those losses? Because I thought I'm not married. I'm in college, like all the things. And so a lot of baggage there. Okay. Um, But I want to ask you this as we start. Miscarriage is something that a lot of times people don't realize how many women um, have walked through this until they're walking through it. And then people say, oh, me too, me too. So tell us, what are even the statistics of miscarriage um, these days? Yeah, thanks for for sharing that piece of your story. And I'm sorry for your losses, Jamie. Um, Yeah, it is so layered. You know, when I had a miscarriage, uh, the statistic at the time was one in four pregnancies ended in miscarriage. They have recently updated that in the last few years to one in three. Um, A lot of women, they say, you know, you may not even know that you're pregnant when you experience your loss because it happens so early on. But all that to say, it is strikingly common. And I don't say that, obviously, to scare anybody. as much as it is just to talk about the commonality about it, because for whatever reason, despite the commonality, I feel like as a society, there's such a layer of shame that still mm-hmm. hovers around this experience that so many women walk through. And to me and my own recovery and the hundreds of women I've walked through and theirs, that seems to be a recurring theme. Like this shame, uh, it's hard to identify and name at first. Mm-hmm. And then to move past that, because our culture by and large seems so silent on the topic of pregnancy and infant loss. Mm. Well, I'd love it if you'd be willing to share a little bit of your story. You um, are parenting two children that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you're pregnant during COVID when you started your beautiful little earring business, which I love. But if you'd be willing, I'd love for you to go back and share a little bit about your story of walking through miscarriage. Totally. Yeah. Uh, my husband and I have been married for a few years. and. In my mind, admittedly, um, I wasn't one of those girls who grew up with just like fairy tale dreams of having a bunch of kids and doing the homeschool life or just being a stay at home mom. Like, I didn't even give it that much thought. I think I was a bit more career minded. And I say all that to preface it because, uh, just as you said with a piece of your story, those things become layers to Mm -hmm. the grief later. So, I just looked at motherhood as like, okay, that's the next step on the social, you know, checklist that you climb and you get married, you 
get a house, whatever. Okay, let's have kids. So I hadn't assigned a ton of um, like holy significance to it, even though I was excited and all of that. Just motherhood was next. So we entered into that process pretty nonchalantly and got pregnant pretty easily right away. And I didn't know anybody in my social circle, my friends or family who had experienced miscarriage or uh, a pregnancy or infant loss. So when I started seeing signs that something was not right with my pregnancy about seven and a half weeks, um, and then the months that followed after that, it was just such a blindsiding grief. Um, There was Mm -hmm. so much shock. Um, And then I I did feel a layer of guilt because I thought, did I not want this enough? Mm -hmm. I felt really guilty about that. Mm-hmm. Now I know that like God wasn't keeping score and and you know you start to go through all those layers of how does God uh, work with with loss and evil and grief and why does he allow what he allows and you start to question all of those mm-hmm. things um in a very real way. But that was my entrance to motherhood. It was traumatic and not at all uh, what we envisioned. So the shock of that was very difficult. And that that really crippled my faith for about six months following. Mm, you know, you talk about how you had, you, your mother was just like this next step. And so then you mm-hmm. felt a little bit of guilt from that. And it got, I got, my eyes got a little teary eyed because that's what I was talking about earlier is that guilt mm-hmm. that I felt. Uh, because for me personally, and I imagine other women I mean, not everyone's getting pregnant when they want to get pregnant, you know, and not mm-hmm. everyone has a stable environment and not everyone yep. has a spouse. And so I remember the guilt that I felt was that those miscarriages, and it even feels terrible to say, I'm many decades past this, but they felt, um, I felt happy about them in the moment mm. because I'm 19 and I'm 20 right. and I'm in college and I don't want to be a mom. And so then, you know, 10 years later, when I am a mom, and a friend tells me for the first time, you can be sad about those. And it was like, all of a sudden, I was like, okay, now I am sad about the loss. And God, now I have to deal with like what I felt in the loss that didn't match the sadness. It, it, was, right. it was like two different things. And so it was really, really difficult for me as a, as a woman to deal with those a decade later, you mm-hmm. know? And I think it's so, so very hard. Um, you know, when you find out like you did when you um, walked through that loss and then you found out so many women around you had also endured that, what do you think it is that most of the time, again, this is a, this is a uh, generalization that I'm about to say, mm-hmm. but I hear it all the time. People say exactly what you just said. I didn't know anyone that had had a miscarriage until I did, but the statistics tell us that we actually do know a lot of people why do you think it usually plays out that way that we don't really have a relationship per se of knowledge about someone's journey that they've been on until we find ourselves there? Is it the mm-hmm. stigma of shame that you're talking about? I, I, I would attribute it mostly to that. Also, by and large, I think as a Western culture, we don't talk openly about grief and mm-hmm. losses. We are such an achievement-based culture that anything that seemingly derails us from the path that we think we're supposed to take or, you know, achieving those next milestones in life, I think we feel a little bit of shame about. Mm. Um, Now, I do feel like generationally, some of that might be shifting in a positive direction. Like I remember the very first time I talked about my story publicly um, in a message I was giving on a Sunday morning, I had a woman in her 70s approach me after service. 
And she told me that she had experienced a miscarriage, you know, 50 years ago. And she hadn't told anybody before. Mm. Like her husband knew, but her kids didn't know. She had never talked to a pastor. She told me for the first time. And that that experience, it always sticks with me because even though we see you know, so many more women are talking about their experiences now on social media. So I am hopeful about the direction mm-hmm. that we're moving in and hopefully eroding some of that shame that seems to linger around this issue. But we are coming off a generation where there are women who kept this like a hidden secret and Mm. a hurting piece of their heart for the majority of their lifetime. Mm. And so I think we're still, you know, kind of in between those, those two approaches to what we talk about, how transparent we are with other people, especially around things that we feel we might be to blame. Mm. And that was a really sobering uh, statistic that I found when I, I pulled 400 lost moms, um, when I started writing on this topic and 84% of them felt that they blamed themselves or some degree for their loss. Wow. Like and that'll keep you from talking about it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's wow. something wrong with my body. Uh, you know, I've messed up in God's eyes and he's punishing me. Like mm-hmm. we do all sorts of things to rationalize why bad things happen to us. Um and, and try to get that why because it's really hard to live in the gray and not mm-hmm. knowing why did this horrible thing happen? And that's something I think that's universal for loss in general, Mm -hmm. but especially um, with pregnancy and infant loss, it's it's within your own body. Mm. And so I I think it feels really vulnerable to share about. As a pastor, I want to ask you about the church and how we can care for women, but I Mm -hmm. first would love for you to clarify something. You said loss mom. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Loss mom is a term that... um, I think it's becoming more popular in the community. If you've experienced pregnancy and infant loss, um, it's just a woman who has gone through a miscarriage, a stillbirth, or their baby has passed away in infancy. So it's kind of a broad term. Grieving mom would be uh, a synonym for that. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interest. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm 
to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. As a pastor, you talked about how you were preaching and this woman in her 70s came up and told you for the very first time. And you mentioned that, you know, often in North America or our culture has a hard time speaking about our feelings and grief and loss. And we don't grieve like a lot of other cultures do. We definitely don't grieve like we would have seen in um, ancient cultures before us. But as a church, um, what do you think we can do better Uh to minister to lost moms that are inside of our congregation that are walking through these scenarios. If the statistics are true, a lot Mm -hmm. of women inside of our local churches are walking through this. So how can we serve them better? Yeah, absolutely. This is an ongoing conversation that my husband and I are having. And each year we try to grow with intention um, because that's part of our story and we're so aware of the prevalence of it. One easy place to start is with Mother's Day. Um, Mm. I know that might seem like a no brainer, but still like when I have visited churches on mother's day, there tends to be this, we throw everybody in one group and it's happy mother's day. And we don't acknowledge all of the complexities, Mm. um, within motherhood. So we've, we've tried to do really intentional things to represent women who, you know, our foster moms, our adoptive moms, spiritual moms, mentor moms, our moms in waiting, like they're going through infertility. You know, there are single women in our churches in their forties or fifties that always imagined and hoped that raising children be a part of their story. And it's not. And that's a very valid type of grief too, in addition Mm -hmm. just to the traditional lost mom experience. So that's one thing is being intentional around Mother's Day, even with language, even if it's just a simple prayer that acknowledges the pain that many have experienced in their motherhood journey. Um, But I think as a whole, we could do a better job in providing spaces to acknowledge grief Mm. in the church. Uh, One thing that we have done, I ended one of my messages on grief. There's this ancient Jewish grieving tradition called Kriya, and we see it practiced in the Old Testament. Uh, It simply means tearing. And what what used to happen, um, and it's still practiced in some Jewish cultures today, is that somebody that was grieving would tear a piece of fabric or their their clothing, um, and they would put it over their heart. They'd make a tear over their heart as an outward reflection of the inward tearing that mm. they were feeling. Um, their heart is torn. 
with pain and with loss. And uh, yeah, Job practices this um, when he's mourning his children. He tears his robe and Jacob does this when he thinks that Joseph, his son, is, is dead. He, he practices Kriya. And so I actually made space as a response time to the message. I had little squares of fabric up at the front of the stage. I said, if anybody here is grieving something, it could be from 20 years ago. It could be a missed dream. Like it, grief is is so much more than just mm-hmm. somebody you love passing away, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we just made space for people to come forward, to, to make that tear, um, to hold the fabric. And I think there's something powerful about having a moment to be able to stand up and name, yes, mm-hmm. I am in a season of grief. And there's a freedom that comes when we acknowledge that and bring that before Jesus and our brothers and sisters in mm-hmm. Christ. So those are just some some small um, practical things that we've tried to implement. But um, yeah, I think there's so much room for growth. Well, I would have just been a, a bawling mess, Rachel, at your church had you had I been in the congregation when you asked me to do that because there is something very emotional about asking people to acknowledge grief that we don't do very mm-hmm. well. I'm in a, a confessional community with a group of women, and we do that often. What are you mm-hmm. grieving? What are you longing for? It's so good. And it's not none of us that I know of have lost a family member recently. And so it's not just grieving the loss of a life. We're grieving lots of things in our life and having, acknowledging it, saying it out loud, and then having someone respond back to it is, is so changing. It brings me to the conversation of, of empathy. And I, as you were talking, I was like, man, how would my love for people look different if I saw someone walking around mm. with that piece of cloth over their heart? I mean you would know they're you would grieving know. something. Yeah. Something's wrong. How do I love them? How do I serve them? And so in a culture that doesn't practice that, how do we be brothers and sisters who help carry the load like that? Does it start? I don't want to say like, oh, the grieving person needs to tell everybody. That puts a lot mm-hmm. of pressure on them. And, mm-hmm. and and there is a little bit of like, okay, we have to let people in. And you kind of answered this a little bit, but I just keep thinking about like, if I saw people with that cloth, I feel like I'd be a better friend. <laughs> so how do I be a good friend when we're not putting cloth on our shirts? <laughs> totally. Like, yeah. Know? I know. I need that reminder daily. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's almost like this paradigm shift that that we need to have. And, and maybe it's as simple as in the morning praying, like, Lord, help my eyes mm. to see people uh, the way that you see them and to approach them with that empathy. Because yeah, in, in the hustle and bustle, like we are gonna lose sight of that and we're so busy in American culture and all that. But I think especially for Western Christians, somehow uh, we, we tend to lose sight so easily yeah. that a suffering savior is at the core of our faith. And mm. one of my favorite verses, and this is odd to say it's my favorite, but it has changed everything about following Jesus for me. And it's Isaiah 53. I just find it amazing that the prophet Isaiah is talking about, here's your future Messiah. Let me give you a few characteristics about him. Like if I was introducing a friend, I'd I'd probably talk about what they do for a living or their uh family members. And Isaiah says, Jesus, the future Messiah is well acquainted with grief. Mm. Like, could you just imagine if we introduce people that way? Mm. And I always have to take myself back to that. Say if Jesus was a man who knew grief, really well, uh, that is such an invitation. And and then therefore, it shouldn't come as a surprise to us that as humans walking in a fallen and broken world that is so grief-stricken, that every single one of us 
would probably be wearing that fabric across our heart. No, every single one of us. So it's a daily, I think, kind of like reminder and, and position of the heart to say, God, help me to see people. Mm. Help me to really see them, you know, so and to good. approach them with that empathy and uh, to bring hope into those spaces in a non-cliche sort of way. So good. Um, the people who are listening can't see me, but Rachel, you can probably, I keep tearing up. Like I, I literally keep feeling like, and I do not have an explanation for it other than I think I just feel that like, oh, I want to be a person who not only sees people in their grief, mm-hmm. I also want to be a person who allows people to see me and my grief, you know, Absolutely. like I want to be both for both. And so I keep, I keep tear. I want you to know I'm okay, Rachel, I'm over here, <laughs> but I do keep like, Jamie, get yourself together is what I keep thinking. Uh, you know, you have a book that came out in, um, August called Miscarried Hope Journeying with Jesus through pregnancy and infant loss. And, um, Rachel, thank you for writing this. It's going to be a benefit for so many people. And this is a book that, um, that that is a would be a great book to give people. I already know who I'm going to give a copy to myself. But in the book, you draw a lot of connections between Holy Week and miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I was reading, I was like, oh, okay, here we go. Like I, I, I just wasn't where we were going to go with this. And I would love for you to make some of those connections with us today. Absolutely. I will admit that um, even sitting through seminary and years of pastoring, I had never once paused to look at the emotional experience that Jesus and Mm. his disciples have during Holy Week. Uh, For some reason in my mind, it had just become deduced to like, here are the events historically. The facts. And here are the... Yeah, and here are the ways that our churches like gather and and um, remember these events. But it wasn't until I was writing this book and God kind of gave me this idea um, after he showed me, hey, here's the emotional experience that lives within Holy Week. And I was like, wait a second, I've lived this before. Mm. This is echoed in every lost mom's story that is shared with me. And so out of Holy Week, I kind of saw this framework for like the five stages of hope begin to emerge. And that was something that I really needed after my own loss was there's a lot of talk about the stages of grief, but nobody was talking to me about how to process and recover my hope. Mm. Because when you go through a, a rather traumatic loss where you don't see it coming, it's completely unexpected, a lot of us have trust issues with hope. And so I wanted to be able to name some of those stages and hopes that, you know, that could bring freedom to women in their healing journey as they're reading. So we start with expectation and it's this peak level of hope. So for the disciples, it's being on the side of the road on Palm Sunday thinking, yes, finally, after hundreds and hundreds of years, here's our long awaited mm-hmm. Messiah. It's it's him. It's here. It's happening. For the lost mom in that moment, now we get to many emotions, um, as you and I have already talked about, on the road to pregnancy. Some of us have planned for it and tried for it for years. Others of us, it's just happened. Mm -hmm. But when you hold that positive pregnancy stick, there is some degree of expectation that arises in your heart. And so your your hope state is, is elevated. So you're in this high expectation peak. And then just days after that, you know, Jesus gathers those same disciples around the table for the Last Supper. And he says, hey, I'm going to leave you soon. Mm. And that's when the second stage of shock uh, really starts to set in. 
it's the stage of disbelief of, of denial for a lost mom. That's the, the point in your journey when you realize something's wrong for the first time with your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And it leads us, you know, into the garden of Gethsemane where you just pray and plead to God, help this not be what I think it is. Help this not mean death. But then as you know, just a few days later, uh, there's good Friday. There's the crucifixion where it is clear that death has become a reality that's for a lost mom when your baby has died mm. and you're in this place of despair, the third stage. And it's this feeling of God forsaking you. And then we head into grief, which is Silent Saturday of Holy Week. And I think for a lost mom, grief is usually the longest phase of, of the journey and the road back to hope again. Um, not that it ever goes away completely, but we spend a lot of time like in Silent Saturday so to speak. And that's just where you're feeling like, where is God? Where is my community? Where is the support? Why is this happening? You're asking a lot of questions. You're feeling so alone, which I imagine the disciples felt just absolutely beside themselves. And Mm -hmm. like they had been, hope had made a fool of them, you know, on on that day. They didn't know that Sunday, everything was going to change. And we lose sight of that so often because we're standing on this side of history. I can't tell you, um, of all the Good Friday services I've been to, somebody on the mic always ends it by saying, but Sunday's coming, uh-huh. which, you know, is absolutely true. And we are people who live with hope. But sometimes I just want to be like, yes, but for them, <laughs> they didn't know Sunday was Let, coming. And sometimes it's like for us on the other side to sit in that Saturday right. is like, oh, we need to actually sit where they were. Exactly. And to say that's okay, because Mm -hmm. so many of us experience silent Saturdays in our life, but we don't know what to do with it, Um, especially if we're just seeing this push towards Sunday and a push towards hope. And again, all of those things are are good and God-given, but there is a place for silent Saturday in Mm -hmm. in each of our stories. Um, And then we move into active hope, which is the final stage. And I call it active hope because, you know, hope never fully leaves us. It never fully goes away, even in those dark moments of despair and grief and and really just the darkness that sets in. But active hope is living with the tension of, I've experienced great loss, but because Jesus defeated death and rose again, this hope that he offers me is, it's been tested, it's mm-hmm. defeated death, and it's going to change the end of my story. So even though I am going to miss watching um, these babies in heaven grow up and experience all their milestones of life, I have this real intangible hope now because of what Jesus did in his defeat of death that I'm going to see them again and that death is not the end of my baby's story. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Applications subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. 
Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. You know, I feel like so often when you walk through those five stages is that often we kind of maybe pressure ourselves to get to that active hope a little bit sooner than we should, or maybe we feel pressure from those around us. Um, I think there is a misconception with miscarriage. And a lot of times people would say like, just you know, come on, you can do this. Like just get to that active hope. And it makes me wonder with this next question is how can people serve those around them best that are walking through this? I do have some friends who have never walked this road, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that's amazing. It's great. Um, and so sometimes it's hard. It's not always hard, but it can feel difficult sometimes to walk alongside someone that you haven't experienced what they've experienced. Absolutely. That's not how we work as Christians. We like walk beside each other no matter what. But what do you encourage people who are listening who are thinking, I haven't personally walked this path, but I want to be the best friend, the best um, church member, the best like brother and sister in Christ that I possibly can. What is your encouragement for them as they walk alongside friends? Mm -hmm. I would say if you're listening and that resonates with you, thank you. For desiring that, and desiring thank you for staying here posture. for twenty five minutes. Like, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah, <laughs> thank you for wanting to come alongside your friends, even when you don't understand the mm. the intricacies of what they're going through, because simply that presence and that desire. I mean, I'm sure you can think of a few people in your life right now, Jamie, who who just show up and they they don't know they haven't been through everything that you've been through, but you know, with their presence, like it just it feels mm. like. Yeah, there's a piece of Jesus here. You know, I am ministered to by your presence and your desire to enter my world. Practically speaking, I think um, most lost moms will feel fairly supported by their community. I, from from my research, it's about half of them feel fairly supported in the initial weeks following their loss. Mm. But after the first few months, that support, that level of support starts to, to drop off. Mm. Um, what really helps a lost mom is if you continue to check in with her. And, yeah. and it doesn't mean, you know, you have to be a professional counselor or mm -hmm. know all the answers. It just means, hey, I'm thinking of you today. Is there a way I can pray for you today? Mm. You know, if she has living children at home, offer to babysit them for a few hours so that she can get out, whether she needs self-care or to process with God or just to be alone, mm -hmm. that would bless her. Offer to pick up groceries for her that week. You know, just those practical ways that we can come alongside each other when when one of our friends, when someone we love is carrying heavy grief mm. and the world around them expects them to jump right back in. Yeah. It's really hard. Other things, um, if you can ask the lost mom, 
tell me something about your baby or a date that you'd like me to remember mm. and just put it in your calendar send a simple text on that day. Usually most lost moms will tell me it's the day that their baby passed. I'll put that in my calendar. And on that day, I'll send them a text. Hey, I'm thinking of you and your baby today. Mm. Doesn't need to be fancy. Doesn't need to be long. That acknowledgement means everything. Mm. And it's also a way of saying, Hey, I love you for all of you. I see you for all of you. Even the parts of your story that maybe you feel a little bit shameful over, like that's welcome here. That's mm. welcome with me. I, I love you for all of you. So Mother's Day, reach out to them at Christmas. Say that you're thinking of them, buy them an ornament um, with a little angel on it, just something to help them remember their baby and to say, hey, I recognize that there was life here and mm. I'm going to honor and celebrate that life with you for the long haul. I told you earlier about how a friend had told me eventually, like, yeah, Jamie, you can grieve the loss of these children mm -hmm. because I didn't grieve them in college. I, in fact, I, I told you already, I was, I was really happy to not be pregnant and be a single mom. Um, and she gave me a little gift and it was a little angel chart. And like that to me, I will always go down as one of the kindest things that anyone has ever done for me because we wow. didn't even know each other in college. And I had just shared part of my story with her and she's the only person that had ever pushed in to say like, wait, it doesn't sound like you really grieved over this. And so I love that. It made me think that a past guest on the show, his name is Jimmy McNeil. He's been on the show before. Him and his wife, Stacy, who are friends of ours, have walked through miscarriage. And just recently, when I, I like this just came to mind, so I looked it up. Just recently, um, he put on his Instagram page that him and his wife were out to breakfast. And it just says, happy birthday to our unborn child who we lost in miscarriage in 2016. Hmm. And it's making me, even in this moment, think about, well, I want to reach out to her and I want to ask her, like, what are the dates I can remember about the two children that you lost and be a better friend to her? So I, I love that encouragement so much, Rachel. Um, I want to ask you about your um, Hope Again Collective. We mentioned at the mm -hmm. beginning, but I want you to tell us, like, this started as a hobby. Where can we get the jewelry? What do the proceeds go towards? Tell us all about it. Sure. Yeah. Well, if you love earrings and you need to love earrings, you know, if you don't <laughs> yes. love earrings, you're missing out on a really fun fashion accessory. Okay. <laughs> I agree. Um, I was not an earring, like, aficionado. I'm not like you, Jamie. I mean, you are always rocking, like. <laughs> I do love earrings. Fashion lives on your yes. earlobes. Okay. Oh, thanks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but if you if you love making meaningful purchases that that carry more weight to them than just face value, mm -hmm. um, that's probably the thing I, I love most about what I do. I'm in my third year now with Hope Again Collective. Every pair of earrings that I design and have on my site is named after a mom who has experienced pregnancy oh. and infant loss. And when I share that pair of earrings, I do uh, usually one or two collections every month. Um, when I share that earring on Instagram, I also share her story with it. Oh. So she gets to feel like, and this is something that I didn't realize how much I needed after my loss. I didn't have any physical, tangible reminders of this chapter of my story um, because my baby just, I, I lost my baby so early. Like there was no funeral. There was mm. no ultrasound photo. There was nothing mm. aside from a pregnancy stick. So for a lot of moms, this gives them a physical moment. So to remember their baby by in this chapter of their story, what's been so cool is to see these lost moms um, kind of like that, that moment of bravery 
when they share their story publicly for the first oh, time and it's often I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> yeah, it's just been the coolest place to see God meet women with hope. Um, because then they reshare it on their page and their family buys their earring and they say, like, hey, I support you and I see you in this. So it started with earrings, but it's so much more than earrings. And okay, well, I'm on the page right now and I've already yeah. found 17 new earrings that I need in oh, my geez. ears ASAP. <laughs> okay, like 17. This, I love it. Thank you, this, Davey. I'll send this you a little code. Love and Hope stud pack. How cute. <laughs> Is that, oh my gosh, I'm just dying. Okay, we're going to put all the links to this in the show notes um, and so that we can send people there to to look it up. Yeah, and then each month I, I choose a mom who's currently walking through pregnancy and infant loss and has some sort of medical or grief-related expense. And I mean, there's nothing harder than losing your baby, but then having oh, yeah. thousands of dollars pile up from if you need cremation, funeral home, you want to buy a headstone to honor your baby properly. Your insurance may not have covered your DNC or your delivery, whatever it was. Maybe you just really need grief counseling. Mm. That's not covered by your insurance. So there are so many practical needs that women walking through pregnancy and infant loss have, but there's no place to really go and get those resources. So each month um, it's, it's going to a mom that, that's currently walking through it. So that's just been really, really meaningful. Something that God put on my heart from the very start of it was I want to give back to this community and help resource them in ways that um, is often hard to ask for. I love it. Well, you also in your book, Miscarried Hope, have excerpts from um, lots of real real women and their stories. You guys, this book came out in August. It's called Miscarried Hope, Journeying with Jesus Through Pregnancy and Infant Loss by Rachel Lohman. Rachel, thank you so much. I'm going to put the links to your earrings, to your book, to all the things in the show notes. You guys can check it out. And if you're listening to us and you want to watch us on YouTube, go check that out. And you can see me just cry through this whole episode. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just a lot. Uh, but Rachel, I'd love to know, what are you reading these days? Yeah. Two books that I have never delved into this topic before. Uh, one is Theology of the Womb by wow. Christy Bauman. Okay. Yeah, a friend sent it to me. It is so fascinating um, how she correlates like the life and death cycle that we see in God and creation to what we experience as women in our own wombs. Um, and it has totally opened my eyes to so many things about pregnancy. And she talks about loss. She talks about everything. And How to Inhabit Time by James K.A. Smith. Okay. I've also never read a book about time and what it means to us and, and how, we, how we store memories and all of that stuff. So I'm just kind of nerding out this summer. You're a little learner <laughs> over there. I love it. I love it. Um, well, Rachel, I really appreciate you taking the time um, to really minister to so many people who are listening today. So thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for this honor, Jamie. The Happy Hour is produced and hosted by myself, Jamie Ivey, with assistance from Nikki Ogden and Ashley Caldwell, and the show is edited by Jason Talley. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. 
Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available.